0: Coming right up, Straight Talk with Art Levine. Our guest tonight, Dr. Craig Smith, Director of the Center for First Amendment Studies at California State University Long Beach as we continue our 21st anniversary year. Closed captioning provided by SCAN Health Plan.
1: Straight Talk is brought to you in part by Southern California Edison. For over 100 years, Life powered by Edison. The Press Telegram, your local news leader for over 100 years.
0: Join us for tonight's edition of Straight Talk. And now, your host, Art Levine. Good evening and welcome to Straight Talk. Tonight we're going to talk about a topic that uh, is front and center uh, in the debate throughout the country on the question of gun control. And we have a uh, real expert, uh, Dr. Craig Smith, director of the Center for First Amendment Studies here at Long Beach State, uh, to uh, share his expertise. Craig, welcome back to Straight Talk. It's good to be back, Art. Let's start with the uh, Second Amendment which reads very simply, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And different folks have different views as to what the Second Amendment means. Uh, Why don't you give us the two sides of it?
1: Well, you can read it literally. Uh, as the Supreme Court sometimes does and just take it word by word and you take the phrase out that people have the right to bear arms and therefore they have a right to own guns however if you contextualize what the founders meant when they passed that amendment it takes on a whole different meaning what happened was that Massachusetts as you know ratified the Constitution in 1789 on a contingent basis they wanted amendments to the Constitution. And one of the amendments they wanted was that one. And the reason they wanted it was because a man named Shays had fomented a rebellion against the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. And Massachusetts didn't know how to deal with it. Did they have the power to form a militia to fight Shays back? And so the point of the amendment, and that's why it begins with the language about forming a militia, the point was to empower the states to allow them to allow the Citizens to have arms so that they could be in a militia to fight a rebellion. Not that everybody would have a gun in their own house whenever they wanted it.
0: And just for the record, the Bill of Rights, which includes the first 10 amendments of the Constitution, was passed some years after the Constitution itself yes, was passed.
1: It's, yes, in 1791, two years later.
0: Well, the National Rifle Association is probably the most vigorous and articulate spokesman of, uh, for the gun owners, and they are a very powerful political lobby. And what's their view of these things?
1: Well, the the, uh, NRA has allowed uh, registration of weapons, uh, and and so a state can require that you register your weapon. Uh, They've allowed for some other things, such as the uh, marking of bullets and that kind of thing. But they have opposed uh, bans uh, on assault weapons, which uh, I find very strange, uh, since you don't need an AK-47 to bring down a deer. Um, they've, they've opposed uh, some sensible measures that we put forward, like fingerprinting handguns, which I can tell you about. Uh, and so uh, they're, they're sometimes difficult to deal with.
0: Well, the tragedies in Newtown, Connecticut, and Aurora, Colorado, uh, I think, have, have shifted uh, the public consensus and mood. And you have the feeling that something is going to be passed.
1: Well, in my opinion, it's about time. I've been working on this since 1998. And uh, it, it, it really is annoying that when you think about the carnage and the number of people who have been killed. Now, gun control legislation, whatever it is, can't be 100% effective. Somebody can always bring a gun into the country or they can go across the state border and get one at a gun show. But it can certainly reduce the number of deaths. And we've been successful in doing that to some extent. Uh, when I started this crusade in 1998, there were 12 children a day dying of gun Wounds. Either they were shot, or there was an accident, or whatever. The number's now down to nine a day. That's nine too many, but we have reduced the numbers.
0: And you attribute that in part to these various erratic gun control laws in some states.
1: In some states, and public awareness that um, uh, parents should keep their guns locked away in a very secure place. Uh, I worked with a group called Ceasefire with uh, the actor Michael Douglas. We made a number of commercials that got people to lock guns away or put finger locks on them so that kids couldn't have access to them. The tragedy in, 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 in some of these cases is that uh, children with mental problems had parents who left the guns out in the open, and they picked the guns up and went to school and killed yeah. people.
0: Well, one of the fascinating suggestions that you've made, and you embodied this in an editorial that was printed way back in 1998. And uh, the concept is fingerprinting of guns, that guns have a unique handprint similar to fingerprints on human beings so that you can tell from what gun any slug has been
1: fired. Right. It's the bullet head that gets riflings on it from going through the barrel of the gun so you could shoot the the minute you manufacture every manufacturer tests the gun so it is shot a bullet through it you take the bullet head with the riflings on it Uh, you can encrypt that uh, and send it to the fbi and they can have a file Uh, there are a number of companies that say it's entirely possible to to fingerprint up to 200 million guns Uh, and and that it is possible it is possible and the the good thing about that is you the bullet usually stays in the body or at the crime scene. The casing does not. There, a number of states have now, and we're one of them, uh, have micromarked the casing of the bullet. The problem is many weapons keep the casing inside the gun and so it isn't left at the crime scene. Um, if, it, if there are casings at the crime scene, you can pick them up and run off with them. So the so, bullet head's a better way to go.
0: So we could have a national database where every gun uh, Uh, and the bullet that shot from that gun is on file. And so when they find a slug at a crime scene, they will know uh, quickly what gun that came from. That's right. And with registration uh, requirements, which the NRA, as you mentioned, approves, we can find out who the registered owner of that gun is that resulted in that bullet at the crime scene. That's right. Well,
1: who opposes that and why? Well, we made progress. You know, I came out with that proposal in 98. We got to the domestic Council of President Clinton. He put it into his 1999 State of the Union address. A year later, in 2000, Dianne Feinstein made it into legislation, introduced it, and it got blocked by the
0: NRA and and other pro-gun lobbies. And what was their argument against fingerprinting of guns? I mean, it seems to me that any rational person uh, no matter how devoted to guns they might be, would not have a problem with the fingerprinting of a gun.
1: Well, I think they raised issues that, that I find artificial. Uh, some people argued that it'd be easier for the government to trace the guns, and therefore they could take our guns away. Um, but when you we, register guns- I, I, Absolutely. I, that, 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 and they that, don't
0: oppose registration.
1: A, a, absolutely. Um, some people said it was it would be too costly to put this program together. Uh, I, I I found them disingenuous. I don't want to put words in their mouth. You know uh, they they can uh, defend it as best they want. Well,
0: if you believe that fingerprinting would be useful, you can write to your congressperson. Yes. Now uh, it failed because of the NRA at the federal level, but then there was an effort at the state level, and you wrote an editorial in two thousand and two urging fingerprinting in california what happened there
1: well assemblyman bob herzberg took my proposal and made it into uh... legislation that called for a feasibility study let's see if it can work let's see if uh... how expensive it is that got signed into law attorney general bill lockyer then ran the study and they found that it was feasible and it was doable and then everything came to a stop again
0: for the same reason Yeah. Well, I think it's time to rethink at least fingerprinting, because that would seem to be a uh, non-intrusive procedure that could uh, help solve uh, the criminal use of guns. And NRA certainly uh, agrees that guns should not be used in a criminal manner, Mm -hmm. and this would help solve criminal cases. Right,
1: right. And and I'm not saying substitute this for the, the casing markings. That's fine, too. I mean, the more layers of identification we have of guns, the better able we are to trace them in criminal But this acts. is
0: separate and independent from the issue of assault weapons, and we can talk right. about that in the right. next segment. But fingerprinting of guns makes perfect sense. It does to me. Okay, we'll be back with more of our discussion after we pause for these messages.
1: In today's world, everything's connected,
2: from the workplaces that support us, to the homes that welcome us, to the trees and wildlife habitats that remind us how important our environment is. When a bird lands on a
1: branch, and in the midst of a busy day, we stop to watch. It makes us realize we're all in the same boat. The Port of Long Beach welcomes this world with open arms, an environmental policy that's second to none, and a commitment to shaping a vibrant community. The Port of Long Beach, thinking outside the docks,
0: We're back with our expert, Craig Smith, discussing gun control and the Second Amendment. Uh, we started the first segment with the wording of the Second Amendment. Craig, as, as we both know, uh, what a Constitution means is a function of what the Supreme Court says it means. What has the Supreme Court opined on the Second Amendment?
1: Well, I think, as, as I said earlier in the, in, in, the, in the first segment, I think they misinterpret it. Uh, by a 5-4 margin, so it only takes one judge to change. Uh, they have said that the First Amendment means that everybody... Second Amendment. Second Amendment uh, uh, allows everybody to have a gun. Um, you, you can require registration, but you can't keep people from having so guns. So
0: possession is constitutionally protected. That's correct. According to the Supreme Court... According to five members of the, the Supreme, Supreme Court. In 2010, <laughs> in, in the two, Chicago case. That's
1: correct. There were, there were, uh, what happened were there were a number of conflicting decisions that came up to the Supreme Court. Uh, uh, the Louisiana uh, District uh said um, you can't restrict ownership. Uh, D.C. said you can restrict ownership. The Ninth Circuit Court, which we're in in California, said you can restrict ownership. So all of that went up to the Supreme Court. Now, the, the California argument... And that's a
0: classic case of where Supreme Court grants cert and takes a case, conflict among the districts.
1: That's correct. Uh, And and the California decision, the Ninth Circuit decision written by Judge Reinhart was the most interesting because he took the approach of the normally conservative justices. He said, let's look at the original intent when the Second Amendment was passed and interpret it in terms of the original intent. And since it said that the states had the right to issue the guns in order to form a militia. That was all that was meant by the Second Amendment. Therefore, you can restrict individuals.
0: So a liberal court, the Ninth Circuit, used conservative original intent to come up with their decision, and the Supreme Court, which is a conservative court, didn't buy it. The Five, (laughs) who normally rely on
1: original intent, including uh, Scalia and Rehnquist uh, uh, and so forth, uh, went the other way. And said, "No, we're just going to read the amendment by word by word and in- interpret it that way." So there was a lot of hypocrisy on the Supreme Court in this. If we're going to w- now, now, as you know, if you can't get something done in the legislature, or if the legislature passes what you want and then it gets overturned, you can go to the courts. And so our hope, uh, I think, is one of the uh, th- that in light of these tragedies, the Supreme Court at some point will revisit this case that the Supreme Court will then say, some conservative will stand up and be a hero and say, you know, I was wrong, original intent, I'm switching to the other side, like Judge Kennedy. Uh, or there King,
0: may be a new justice on the court. Or there may
1: be a new justice on the Supreme Court.
0: So, and with President Obama, uh, he or she would be of the more liberal persuasion. Right. Right.
1: And, 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 and could flip it. Um, the, the uh, you know, the, the amazing thing here is it only takes one justice changing. This is a 5-4 decision. It's hardly presidential.
0: Well, you just have the feeling that the country has shifted, that we have reset the thinking on gun control. And uh, although courts theoretically are purists and they just look at the law, uh, someone once said the Supreme Court reads election returns. Yes,
1: they certainly did in 1936, as you may <laughs> yes. recall, before our time. Yes. But when Roosevelt Classic. overwhelmingly was reelected, suddenly the court started approving his New program. Deal was okay. The New now. Deal was okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, we're going to continue this conversation, but first we have to pause again for these messages. Craig, let's shift for a moment from gun control to politics and presidential elections. You were last on the show uh, that we taped on September 7th, airing late September, early October. And at that time, you predicted a Romney presidential victory. It didn't work out that way. Uh, What were the reasons that it went, in your judgment, the opposite way?
1: Well, at at the time, I said, I hate to make predictions because you never know what's going to pop up and and change things. It was a conditional uh, recommendation. Um, one of the reasons I made that prediction was because the enthusiasm for Barack Obama had fallen so much. I was right about that. He ran six million votes behind what he got in 2008. No president has run that far behind his previous record and gotten reelected.
0: And was the turnout nationally uh, the same or greater? It in was this lower. La- it was it, lower. For everyone, it was lower. Yes,
1: yes. But the big surprise was Romney ran 300,000 votes behind what McCain got. Wow. So he ran even worse than McCain. Wow. Here's another statistic you'll love. John McCain got a higher percentage of the Mormon vote than Mitt Romney did. I mean, it it doesn't get much worse. And
0: why? What was going on? I think
1: people perceived that Romney had shifted from being a moderate Republican governor of Massachusetts to becoming very conservative in order to get the Republican nomination, and then went back toward the middle to try and win the election. So the hypocrisy. The hypocrisy it? issue hurt him. Then when they saw the tape of that fundraising speech where he said that 47% of the American people were on the dole and wouldn't vote for him, uh, it showed his true colors, and, and people thought, okay, that's the guy. I see him now when he's off the record. And there was no way to unexplain so that. that, that was... That was very dev- damaging. That yeah. was devastating. The first debate put him back into the race. Yeah, he, he did very well there. And you
0: had predicted that he would do well in the debates, I did, and, and I you did. were right on the money. I got something right. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, this points to perhaps a need of the Republican Party to rethink itself, to reshape itself. Uh, uh, you pointed out before we went on air that the Democrats did that before President Clinton was elected by forming that Southern group. Yeah,
1: it was the Southern Leadership Conference. It was formed uh, when uh, George Bush Sr. was president. Uh, The Democrats said, we need to recalibrate. They were left Because they
0: they were too far to the left. They were
1: too far to the left. They were perceived as too far to the left. Uh, Bill Clinton was one of the leaders in that. Al Gore was another. Uh, They did all those things. They ran. They won. I think the Republicans need to do this. They used to have a conference in Maryland called the Tidewater Conference. I helped run it. I was a parliamentarian at it, where we brought in resolutions. We recalibrated what it meant to be a Republican and what we could do to win. And I think they need to bring something like that
0: back. The problem, to cut to the chase, in, in the view of many with the Republican Party, is that it's too dominated by the right wing.
1: Yeah, the con- and, and, I, and I think uh, uh, the social right wing. Uh, yeah, social right the, wing. The, the Republican Party is is fine as a fiscal conservative party, as a party that encourages business and produces jobs. But when you get into social issues and, and you have Senate candidates saying things about the abortion issue that are are, are quite crazy, uh, it, it paints the party with, with a brush that's just
0: too far to the right. So to become a viable uh, presidential uh, party in the future, THEY NEED TO to RETHINK WHAT THEY STAND FOR.
1: YEAH. I MEAN, YOU CAN BE OPPOSED TO A WOMAN'S RIGHT TO HAVE AN ABORTION, BUT BE COMPASSIONATE ABOUT IT AND BE LOGICAL ABOUT IT. RONALD REAGAN WAS. GEORGE BUSH SENIOR WAS. IT'S it's THE CRAZY TALK THAT I THINK GETS THEM IN TROUBLE.
0: AND WE ALSO NEED CONTINUED REFORMS IN THE POLITICAL PROCESS. Uh, THE DEMOCRATS AREN'T PURE ON THIS EITHER. Uh, MONEY IS HAVING AN INORDINATE INFLUENCE. WE DID GET REDISTRICTING REFORM, AT LEAST HERE IN CALIFORNIA, WHICH WAS GREAT. Uh, but there there still are some needed reforms to uh, to bring the political system in line. And I know there's this one group, No Labels, and several of the candidates on our show referenced that in the course of the debates. People are sick of the ideologues. They want real solutions for real problems. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I think uh, the other problem is that uh, you have a, a, so many cable channels available to people that voters are becoming calcified in their positions. Uh, they can go to someone somewhere on a cable channel that will say, you're right. Preaching to the choir.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's no good either. No, no. Okay, we'll be back with the rest of our show after these messages. When I was a boy growing up in Italy, I had a dream to own my own store. I came to the United States, and I worked hard as a tailor. Hi, I'm Umberto. I've been in Long Beach since 1960, carrying the finest quality men's clothing. It was a long way away, but styles are just around the corner. Umberto, 2141 Bellflower, Long Beach. who are closest to you from our family to
2: yours mccarty's jewelry since 1932 bill Trainees mixes california style with continental cuisine that includes fresh seafood from around the world since bill is the chef the menu has a wide variety of pastas salads soups and appetizers that feature his unique personal touch and the italian american signature dishes are simply beyond delicious you never know who you're going to run into at Trainees, from the famous sports legends on the Wall of Fame to local celebrities having a drink at the bar. For the best fine dining experience, visit Phil Trainees.
0: During a conversation with constitutional expert Craig Smith, director of the Center for First Amendment Studies. Craig, there are a lot of things that in politics that don't seem to comport with what many of us would view as ethical principles, uh, uh, bills that are uh, gut and amend, where you have a bill on subject X, and at the last minute you take everything out and put in stuff on subject Y and get it passed with no one reading it. Uh, What's the justification for that?
1: Well, there isn't, and I think that the Senate needs to clean up its act. Uh, I was uh, uh, taught parliamentary Senate procedure, and I tell you it's more arcane than anything you could ever imagine. That's why they don't like using it. That's why they try to do everything by unanimous consent. Um, But you can... You can uh, filibuster by amending and amending and amending and amending on on a limited number of times. Uh, They're going to try and reform that at the beginning of this session. Uh, you can uh, the the old way of of doing a filibuster. You know anybody who watched Mr. Smith Goes to Washington was you had to stand and speak physically, yeah. physically stand and speak, yeah. and then they ended that and said you could just put a hold on something. It's terribly anti-democratic to require sixty votes to pass
0: something. It's the changing Senate. the Constitution de absolutely. facto, absolutely, and uh, uh, it's it's caused uh, all kinds of problems in getting work done. Yes, and of course the the granddaddy of the mall campaign spending and the Citizens United case. Now some of us feel that instant and full disclosure is the best we can possibly hope for. That you immediately know who stopped these shadow parties, Citizens for Good Government, and find out who's really giving the money and instantaneously disclose to everybody that so-and-so gave five million dollars. And that's because campaign limitations are always trying to stop what some view as the impossible. Politicians who need money and donors who want to give it and get whatever benefits they get from giving. And you just can't stop that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think full disclosure is, is one really good remedy. Uh, as long as I know who's giving you your money, and I can make a commercial about who's giving you your money, yeah. uh, it levels the playing field. Yeah. Uh, we can't stop the spigots because of Citizens United, the 2012 decision by the Supreme Court, which allows unions and corporate, corporations to spend money to their heart's
0: content. And it's had an enormously negative influence, I think, on the election cycle. Well,
1: I don't know if it's negative or positive. It's, it's certainly overwhelming and certainly down-ticket races, assemblymen state senator where we we don't pay as much attention as we should we get influenced by the ads there yeah. and they're overwhelming uh... the voters in terms of uh, opinions yeah. Yeah.
0: well craig again thank you for joining us it's always uh, a pleasure to see you and uh... happy new year happy new year to you too okay please join us next week for the next edition of our show Good night everyone
1: straight talk has been brought to you by southern california edison the press telegram And remember, Straight Talk is viewable worldwide 24-7 at straighttalktv.com.